Hey guys, and welcome back to Berur. You are listening to Nilla, and today it's only you and me, baby. So, uh, pardon me on beforehand on my English. I might uh, I might pronounce something wrong, which I will. But this is an English episode for all of you out there who might only understand English and not Swedish. And maybe for you guys who prefer me speaking English, I don't know. So, what are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about the identity crisis in the suburbs and how it's affecting us today. I got this idea originally from a school presentation about a biography written by Jason Timbuktu, who is a famous Swedish artist and author. In his self-biography, Midnat, which is translated to A Drop in Midnight, he talks about how he struggles to find his identity in the Swedish ghetto suburb Malmö. He don't feel like a Swede, but he also don't feel like he's from his dad's heritage in South Carolina. Jason brings up a lot of childhood memories about he was about how he was a victim of racism and bullying in his youth in Malmö, Sweden. As I can relate to this upbringing as many other kids that grew up in the Swedish suburbs, it made me think that the identity crisis and segregation in society is connected and it's important to know how and why to be able to do something about it. So, does anyone know what an identity crisis is? An identity crisis is a developmental uh, event that involves a person questioning their sense of self or place in the world. The concept originates from the work of a developmental psychologist, Erik Eriksson, who believed that the formation of identity was one of the most important conflicts that people face. Now, you might wonder what this has to do with the suburbs of Sweden. Have anyone heard about Miljonprogrammet? Miljonprogrammet was a project in Sweden that was brought up by the Social Democrats in 1964. It was a reform program under the name of Collected Programs for Society, Estates and Land Politics. The parliament granted a loan for the project for around 100,000 apartments every year from 1965 to 1974. The project took place from 1965 to 1975 and the goal was to build a million apartments in 10 years to counter the housing shortage from the 50s. Now that sounds like a really good idea when you hear it for the first time, but complications will come with time. During the time of the project, many people realized that the apartments didn't hold up to the standards. Due to poorly executed plans and bad budgeting, this led to the apartments being deemed deficient. In 2010, most of the apartments were in need of a renovation that would cost the government around 650 billion Swedish crowns, which they could not afford. Sweden had a lot of immigrants coming from different countries in Europe as cheap labor to build up the economy. This in its own turn led to immigrants moving into the cheaper apartment complexes, which led to a segregation from the Swedish people and the immigrants. Already then, the identity crisis started. Kids who grew up in the cheap apartments in the suburbs could not connect to their native culture because they didn't grow up there. But they didn't feel at home in Sweden due to the segregation that created racism and grouping. After years of segregation, the criminality rate in the suburbs were increasing at a high speed because of the identity crisis. The kids and even the adults felt like they didn't know where they belonged. When they visited their home countries, they were called Swedish, and when they were in Sweden, they were called immigrants, which led to them creating their own group and identity in the suburbs. 
the people didn't feel welcomed into the country and became exposed in the society due to them living in poorer environments with worse jobs that gave less opportunities and money for them to build up themselves from poverty. <clears throat> the immigrant kids had no parks, while the other kids in the richer neighborhoods were living in lavish playgrounds and with swings and everything. Young adults were battling with unemployment because of school not having enough resources from the government to provide for the exposed to delicate children. Kids were being told by society that no one believes in them, leading the kids to stop going to school. And then we have the uneducated younger adults who started a criminal lifestyle to prevent them, provide for themselves, who influenced the younger children who are left out in school. The bad reputation of the ghetto suburbs and segregation led to racism and farcism. Between 1988 and 1998, a new party was established. They were called for Sveri Demokraterna. They were a right-wing extremist group, and their motto was to keep Sweden Swedish. And they, had, and they made a lot of racism and farcist statements. The party had a lot of politicians from farcist and Nazi organizations. This led to even more segregation and racism against the ghetto suburbs. Year 2005, Jimmy Åkesson were elected as a party leader of Sverigedemokraterna. He made a lot of Islamophobic and racist statements and a lot more. He's still active today and is very disliked in the suburbs. But he also has a lot of Swedish followers who are tired of the situation and believes that he can solve the conflict. Jimmy means in an article by expressing that Sweden should tear down the ghetto suburbs and start all over like the Danish government. He won't answer where the people are going to live while we tear down their homes. So how are you able to grow up like this without an identity crisis? And how is this affecting us today? The spiral effect from the 60s continues to the lack of due to the lack of change. Schools are still not funded enough by the government, who prioritize other things. The younger generation of immigrants have been more and more involved to gang violence, and criminality is glorified and romanticized in today's rap music, which in its own turn leads to more criminality. It's becoming their identity. The press is being biased. Newspaper and media are not bringing up the many deaths and crises in the suburbs due to bad publicity. Instead, they hide it and bring up deaths of the Swedish people. What can we do about it as a society then? Well, we can start to educate ourselves and other in the history of immigration in Sweden and many other countries. Educate Swedish neighborhoods and citizens to understand the situation better and support growth in the poorer suburbs. We can encourage kids and adults to go for education. Education leads to higher income and more self-awareness which leads to less need for criminal ways to provide for themselves. Start promoting more psychiatric care for kids and adults to help them battle identity crisis and help them understand their feelings and trauma because of the criminality in the suburbs that they are suffering from. What can you do about it? As an individual, reflect about who you are and what you believe in, what your principles are, create a good mindset and educate yourself about who you want to be to prevent an identity crisis. Stand up for injustices and educate the uneducated instead of humiliate. Have patience with the ignorant. Set a good example. Being ignorant is just adding fuel to the fire. And try to unite, unite and affect people in a positive way. Well, is history repeating itself? Sweden in the early 30s and 40s were engaged in nationalism and Nazi sympaths. 
in the history books, they say that Sweden were neutral in the World War II. But a matter of fact is that Sweden stood by German and the Nazis. The Swedish king of that time was also married to a woman from German. Nazis also wanted to create the perfect race Aries, which they believed were the superior race. People with fair skin, blonde hair and blue eyes were the better race in their opinion, which were in the favor of the fair-skinned Swedish nation. So Sweden were probably also flattered by this, as it meant that they were the better. Well, why is this so important to the subject I'm talking about? Well, around 180 Swedish males, from the age of 17 to 25, applied to become a SS soldier. As a SS soldier, you work is you work as Hitler's bodyguard and devote your life to him. As soon as they got recruited, they regretted their decision and wrote many letters home about the horrible things that were happening during the World War II. The nationalism used Darwinism to back up their beliefs as scientific research, which we know today know is false information. Many of these young males had a background of a single parent, poverty and petty criminality, which can be compared to the younger generation of Swedish suburbs, where people also have a similar background. They had a hard time fitting in and took over, took the opportunity to become devoted followers of the mainstream nationalism that grew in Sweden in the early 30s. A woman named Vera Oretson, born 1928 in Berlin, is still to this day a proud, devoted Nazi. She was the younger daughter of a Nazi officer, and her brother named Folke Szymanski is a journalist who has distanced himself from the anti-ideology. He speaks about the Nazi times in a short movie, Hotet mot demokratin, which is translated to Threat Against the Democracy, that is about the Swedish SS soldiers and Sweden's part in World War II, where he talks about his and his sister's childhood. Vera was regularly beaten by her father and treated very badly. He believes that she just wanted to get out of the home and was seeking for a group to fit into. She took her father's path and joined the youth program Bundesstermädel. This is yet another example of an individual with a rough upbringing that probably suffered from an identity crisis and tried her way to fit into a group with a sense of belonging, to find a sense of belonging. In 1924, a Swedish veteran politician with a national socialistic principles named Birgit Furgård also a friend of Hitler and his two brothers, Sigurd and Gunnar, started the Swedish Nationalist Socialist Freedom Association. Norway as well started to become more and more interested in this anti-ideology. Poverty and injustice, false information and well-spoken charming leaders led to anger in the people who, su who was suffered and didn't feel heard. So when the Nazis wanted war, People who was controlled by their angry emotions and bad circumstances gladly jumped on the train. These SS Lee soldiers were just people that thought that they went on an adventure, but instead went to a cold grave. When the Nazis eventually lost the war and everything they did was brought up to light, in Sweden we were embarrassed and tried to hush down what we had done. Lists of Jews, camp drawings and journals were destroyed. Only a few were kept to this day as a cold lesson of the horrors of World War II. If Sweden would have been occupied by the Nazis and the concentration, concentration camps would have come to life. And a lot more Swedish SS soldiers would have been a part of the German army. 
So due to people suffering from an identity crisis in their horrible conditions, they were easy to manipulate by Adolf Hitler. With all this said, my point is that history is repeating itself over and over again. Not as serious as World War II, but there is a pattern and this is why we need to learn from history and educate ourselves to prevent the situation that can be prevented. Identity crisis in the suburbs exists and we need to do something about it. Nobody will do it for us. We need to speak up. And I'd like to recommend some old Swedish hip-hop and r- from rap groups like Medina, Labyrinth, Captain Röd, Alex and Tibbikte. With all this said, I hope now that I have that you have learned something new today, as did I while doing research on this episode on Berur. I am really thankful to be able to share this with you and maybe make a difference in some way. Well, until next time, you have listened to Berur.